If you haven't already guessed by the title of this episode, we will be discussing death pretty heavily on the pod today. Discussions of death, what happens to your body after you die, the makeup process, and what happens when you're embalmed, all those things will be discussed at length. Some of you may feel uncomfortable by the content of this episode. Some of you may find it morbid or even triggering. I want to assure you that everything is discussed in a respectful manner and from a scientific point of view as well as from Eileen's point of view as a mortician, but I did want to warn everybody before we get into the conversation because while I really enjoyed it and find it fascinating what Eileen does for a living, some of you may choose to skip this episode and if you choose to do so, the time would be now. Hi Kirby. Hi, Sarah. (laughs) Welcome Welcome to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f***? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Happy Halloween, Glamgelinos. All right. Today's episode is very exciting for me because I have always wanted to interview a mortician and learn about makeup and how it's applied to deceased people. I know some of you are thinking you were excited to learn about this and talk about this, but honestly, I'm gonna get vulnerable here for a little bit. I've always been really fascinated with death, and I think it's kind of a self-coping mechanism. I dealt with death pretty early on in my life in a very significant way, and it created a fear in me almost. I think a lot of us fear losing our parents, and I have held on to this fear my whole life, my whole 35 years. I think about death all the time, and I think part of that is because of what I went through earlier in my life, but also as I'm getting older, I'm starting to think existentially in a way of, you know, my impact on the world and what I'm leaving behind and what I'm doing and all of those things, how people will think of me. I'm also experiencing death in ways that I never even considered. When you're young, you know, you think you're going to live forever and everybody's going to live forever. And, you know, I, again, mentioned, I understood pretty early on in life, that's not the case. But getting to this age of your mid-30s, I'm starting to lose people, you know, some tragically, some just a natural progression of life. And you think about death, I think, a lot more as you get older. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but like death is inevitable. Like that saying, no one's getting out of life alive, right? For me, being curious and learning more about things that I have fears about is helpful. I truly don't think anybody is prepared to lay somebody they love to rest. But for me personally, learning about what happens to your body after you pass is therapy in a way. I found today's guest on TikTok where she is demystifying death and what happens to you after you die. There are no dumb questions for her. Her account has almost a million followers, just over 900,000 right now. Her name is Eileen Hollis. She's a mortician. And if you're interested in this subject matter, 
follow her because she's constantly sharing information. Eileen is in the family business, which you'll hear about. Her father, Charlie, started Hollis Funeral Home 40 years ago. She got licensed, went to a mortuary science school and got her license in 2017 and is working with her father now and will take over the business once he decides to retire. But Eileen is in her 30s. And one thing that I really love about what she's doing in terms of education on social media, it, not only the demystification of it all, but she's infusing some youth into this this very long-standing industry that feels a little stuffy, feels a little buttoned up. She uses relevant brands that you and I are using in our makeup routine on the, uh, the deceased that come into her funeral home. And today we're going to be talking about the difference between mortuary makeup and makeup you would buy at Sephora or Ulta, preparing the body, what you can ask for, what helps her and her situation. She's going to give some really useful advice and we will be talking about preparing the body and things of that nature too. So if you're interested and you want to learn more about mortuary science as well as body preparation, keep listening. Eileen, you are pretty dressed up right now. It's red. It's reading a little bit berry. What shade is that? This is Maybelline Superstay Ink Crayon. Yes, we love to see it. On this podcast, we stand Maybelline ink anything. That stuff does not budge. Usually I'm a Pat McGrath girl. Yes. But I've been really liking these ones. You look stunning. So I'm guessing you didn't just get dressed up for me, even though I would love that. But what were you doing before this? Well, I semi was getting dressed up for you, but also we have a funeral service, a public visitation. The family comes in at three. Really, it's open to the public from four to seven. That is the calling hours and the actual funeral service is like the most I get dressed up in my life, it seems. I didn't even realize that you live in the same place where this all takes place and you grew up in this house. Yeah. So my husband and I live in a totally different house away from the funeral home. I grew up there from 1989 until like 2007 before I went to college. And then someday Neil and I will end up back in the funeral home, living above the funeral home, but we're not in a huge rush to get in there because it's so massive. The house is massive. <laughs> Yes. And I see, you know, on TikTok, people are like, do you ever feel like Veda in My Girl? It's a stunning home. It is. Okay. So let me back up. Your father is how you got into this. It's a family business, as a lot of funeral businesses are. Are you and your dad are both the funeral directors? What's your dad now? We are both licensed funeral directors and embalmers in New York State. And he's the owner of our funeral home. And I am kind of like slowly but surely taking over the legacy of Hollis Funeral Home. So it's a little daunting. And sometimes I can wake up like feeling the weight of all of that. But for the most part, like once I get going with my day, like a burst of confidence can come through me and I'm like, okay, you're going to be fine <laughs> taking this over. And you have one sister at least, right? Yeah. She lives in Brooklyn. She's a burlesque dancer in New York City. 
You have the most fascinating family, in my humble opinion. But I'm curious, why not her? Like, was she just like, I don't want to be involved in this? Like, what led you to wanting to study like mortuary science and get into this? Well, for me personally, I never really thought that I would go into this at all. My heart always was with dancing professionally. I took, you know, ballet, modern, jazz. The only dance I didn't take really was tap, but I just wanted to be a dancer. And on Broadway, I have a BFA in dance after college, I moved to New York City. I was dancing with a small modern dance company. And I just realized I was working at Cure Thrift Shop. I realized I didn't have enough time to go out on auditions and stuff. And maybe I really did, but I just didn't have the drive to do it. So after a lot of like internal stuff, I was like, you know, maybe dancing isn't my destiny, but I have to figure something out. So I wanted to use it to maybe do like dance education or dance therapy or use it in some kind of helpful way. But during that internal battle, I was back in Syracuse. I had moved home to be with my boyfriend. I was working at a city school after school program, dance program. (laughs) And we went on winter break. So during that time, I still had to pay the rent. And I asked my dad, hey, can I shadow you for these couple of months? And he said, sure. So I got my little foot in the door and realized that, whoa, I love helping people. And this profession kind of keeps me on my toes. And my dad told me the whole story of how he sold the business to a corporation and with time he bought it back. So when I heard the whole story of my dad running this business, I just was like, I can't, I don't want to sell this to anyone. Like I want to protect it. So I, I just kind of fell into it and never was like, I'm going to do this, but I, it just happened. It must be so interesting for you because I'm sure when people find out what you do for a living, they're kind of stunned. Maybe they don't know what to say. Some people may be like, oh my God, like, how do you deal with that? So I guess the first thing I want to kick things off with is like, did you have to do any like mental preparation? Do you go to therapy? How do you handle being around death this consistently and not just feel this like unwavering sense of dread? Right. I feel it all the time. And honestly, this morning I woke up extremely like existential dread. As I said, like I can wake up feeling like that sometimes. I guess I've just been around it so much that it's just like a part of me, like my shadow monster, you know? So I respect that death is just looming over us at all points in time. And I just try and stay extremely present. It's hard. I'm a Gemini, Libra, moon, Aries rising. And especially with all the social media now, my brain is just scattered in a thousand directions. It's hard to stay grounded. And even looking at my TikTok, I don't, it kind of can make me spiral into existential dread sometimes. I'm always so happy when people say that I'm being helpful. 
Yes, you have helped me. At first, I was a little jarred when you came on my algorithm, but then I was, as a journalist, I'm fascinated. I'm like, no, I want more information on this. Like, how does she do this? And you've done two things. Like, you've made the topic of death not this taboo thing that people like don't want to talk about. They don't want to address. It's just like you said, that thing that looms, it can happen anytime to anyone, but like we don't talk about it for whatever reason. Also, you were born in 1989. Is that what you said? Yeah. You are infusing youth into this vocation and this industry that is very proper, very by the books. Like you had pink hair at one point, you have tattoos and stuff like that. When you see somebody that kind of looks like you, especially if you're going through something, you know, as monumental in somebody's life as death, that brings a little bit of peace. You know what I mean? Like it's a weird comfort. Yeah. I mean, I believe that the only way out of fear is going through it and educating yourself about it. And that has been my go-to for every major fear in my life. I just educate myself about it and it becomes less scary to me. It's funny that you said uh, therapy because man, this whole year, my anxiety, like, well, since the pandemic, I have become increasingly more anxious. And this year, my body just felt so out of whack with just being surrounded by this all the time. It's a lot. And just like the anticipation of taking over this family business, I just always feel like there's so much at stake because yes, I can absolutely do this, but it's so anxiety inducing for me because it's like, this is such a major event of somebody's life. I just don't want to fuck it up. So I was living with such physical anxiety. You know, if I'm really anxious, I can get nauseous and I just didn't want to live like this anymore. So I finally talked to my doctor before my sister's wedding in Vegas to get like anxiety medication and it has oh my god it has changed my body and I'm so grateful for that and it's been the best thing for my brain in this business so far and I gotta find a therapist (laughs) no I'm like girl talk to who you need to talk to but I love that you are on medication to help with the anxiety that's so important so important okay so we know how you got into the family business I was looking up the most commonly asked questions when it comes to like funeral directors and people are like, what is mortuary science? Like, what's the study of that when you go to school? Because you have to be licensed to do this. Like, don't go to a funeral home that doesn't have a licensed funeral director, right? Yeah. Yeah. Please, God, don't do that. (laughs) Mortuary school was really interesting. I was so scared to start it. And I want to say that because I feel like a lot of people come to me saying they don't know if they can do this. And I myself didn't know if I could do it, if I could handle preparing a person or, you know, I really started doubting myself in gross anatomy where we are given anatomical gifts or anatomical donations or cadavers, as some people call them. And in gross anatomy, we started from the top layer of skin. And each week we kind of, you know, worked down to the bone. And it was a lot of science, way more science than I anticipated. Microbiology, just like the chemistry of what your body goes through in death. 
there's calculations to how much chemical you're supposed to put in, how much water, do you even use water? Sometimes you don't use water on a case that maybe has a lot of edema, aka excess water in their body, like your body just retains it. So in those cases, you might not want to add more water to the solution because you want to suck out that moisture from the body. So it's a, like a lot of learning all of that. There's, you know, the science of makeup. You were talking about being anxious about this moment because it's such a, a moment for the families to see this prepared body, right? It's almost like getting married in a way. Yeah. Like you don't want to fuck up somebody's bridal portraits, right? You want them to look like themselves. Similarly, you want this person who's being laid to rest to look like themselves as people know them, right? Yeah. You don't want to see them caked on. You don't want to see the visible powder. That's the worst. You just want them to look natural or unnatural, depending on, you know, Someone just asked me, would you cosmetize like full drag? I was like, yes, absolutely. If somebody came to me or expressed that their loved one wanted to be in full drag and here's a picture, like that is what I would do. Yeah. I mean, you want to honor the person the best you can. I'm just fascinated by this topic in general because it's like, yes, you have to do all the science. Then you also have to be a cosmetologist. Do you learn anything about like psychology of like how to handle families and bereavement and stuff like that? Or is that something that just comes with like experiencing it in real life? Oh, yeah. We had a psychology course and how involved to get. And, you know, a lot of the times if the family is having a lot of friction, you want to do the best you can to be helpful and try and diffuse the situation. But they always taught us at the end of the day, you are not a trained psychiatrist or, you know, that's not your job. People tell you a lot of things and they'll share a lot of intimate feelings and family trauma and things with you. You get the whole story. I remember like, even like back in uh, at the height of the pandemic before vaccines and all of that, people were like, well, how do you know they have COVID? Like, you're not supposed to ask. That's rude. Just assuming that like I would ask their people if they had COVID, but people would just openly come out and share the whole story, like from start to finish with how their COVID struggle like was. You aren't a psychologist, but you're getting that. People are telling these things to you freely. Yeah. So you have to be able to handle it and separate yourself from it when you go home. And that's really hard, which is another reason why I needed to get anxiety education. <laughs> yes. Yes. A lot of opinions and a lot of like facts being thrown your way that you're just like, I didn't ask for this, but here we are. Okay. Can we talk about what happens to your body? when you are being prepared for, let's say, a funeral? Like, can you walk us through that process? Yeah. So the moment you die, your body starts to decompose either at a slow pace or a rapid pace. It depends on a lot of things, the climate, how you died, where you died, the temperature, vermin, like 
bugs, you know, like it's all valid. But if you, let's say you just die in the comfort of your home and you're brought to the funeral home, some people choose to be unembalmed. I will still wash their body. You will see slight signs of decomposition. If a family wants to view them, I can try and mask those postmortem stains and stuff as much as possible, but you can't really restore a person's or unmask a person's decomposition unless they're embalmed. Like if they got in a traumatic accident, let's say, a family wanted to view them, they would need to be embalmed so their skin and their tissue is preserved and dry. And then you can go in there and work your magic. But the embalming solution really delays decomposition. It doesn't preserve you forever. I think that's very important for people to know. It's only temporary. And I don't know how long your embalming will last once you're six feet under, (laughs) because that also depends on the environment and how well you got the embalming solution. So for those who may not be familiar with embalming, like what is that process? Like what is being put into your body? What's being removed from your body? Like, can you kind of share that? What is being put into your body? We use formaldehyde and like co-injection chemicals that have like some dyes in them and stuff, because, you know, at the end of the day, the makeup is so important, but the embalming base will make all the difference. You can put humectants in your embalming solution. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Frigid fluid has like a silicone that you can put in there that's added into one of their chemicals. And you do see the difference. They are much in the words of Glossier, like very dewy. (laughs) It's like your skincare routine after death, essentially. Yeah, it's from the inside out and it really does make a difference. I think one of the reasons why you have such a huge following besides your fabulous personality is that you're like, oh, I have Fenty. Like someone was like, what do you use for curly haired girls? Like when we pass away and you had like pattern beauty, you had like the comb, you had like all of these amazing, like not your mother's, like you had these very relevant brands. I was kind of shocked when I first saw you talking about, you know, like Like I saw like a benefit Benetton in your drawer. And I think that everyone's like, wait, what? Like there's these very trendy, relevant brands that are being used on the deceased. Is that normal? Like, because I also see like you mix your own lipstick and stuff like that. So like, what were you taught? Or like, how did this like kind of evolve into this very modern makeup? Well, I mean, when I first walked in the prep room and looked at what my dad had for makeup, it was a lot of little glass bottles of CoverGirl and Maybelline, you know, just drugstore makeup. And he did have some old dry tubs of mortuary cosmetics and stuff. And I was like, ooh, no. So I started using, you know, the CoverGirl and stuff. And it's a little translucent, like no makeup makeup. But yeah, so I started 
there and I was like you know I could like upgrade these everyday makeup brands whatever so I um started by donating some of my own makeup I had like a tube of Chanel like concealer you know that was almost done and I needed a new tube so now I have NARS radiant you know concealer with the curly hair products, I know that I could just go with the cheap stuff, but I use the pattern mainly on people of color. And truth be told, we don't get a ton of people of color come through our funeral home because they're very loyal to the black funeral homes. And so I decided let's splurge for the good stuff. <laughs> let's just get all the good products. Fenty came about because the shade range was shit in drugstores and stuff. So I decided, okay, I want to go full out there. And then you have like the mortuary cosmetic brands. My favorite one is Lola 7 Cosmetics. Are those the little wheels? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when I saw those at first, I thought they were like Ben Nye or like some kind of, you know, professional onset makeup artist. I was like, Oh, is that what she's using? And then I was like, wait, I can't read. I was hoping you would mention that because I see you kind of becoming the mix master with those. Her brand is amazing. Like to all the funeral directors out there, you have to give it a chance give it a try. Like it is my secret weapon. I don't stress out anymore. I used to come to, uh, before calling hours, like, you know, a couple of hours early to touch up the makeup. If it was hard case where I needed to, you know, make sure that they were in tip top shape. Now I just know that this cosmetic will cover anything in a flash and it smells good and it looks like real makeup and it feels like real makeup. It's not over the top heavy. It glides on. I just love that. I mix my own colors, but a lot of that is because I have to with the Vaseline. It acts as a vehicle for the lip color, especially if you're unembalmed, it's not going to glide on great if you have lip wax it just doesn't spread on you should probably like heat it up with a hair dryer or something to make it a little easier on an embalmed case it glides much easier because your lips are firm I always mix a little Vaseline in there because it helps move the product and it helps moisturize their dehydrated lips and Nine out of 10 times, someone's lips are pretty dehydrated because that's just what happens at the end of your life. And I've learned from hospice nurses on TikTok that the more dehydrated you are at the end of your life, the easier a death you will have because you don't have all of those secretions coming up. <gasps> Interesting. Yeah. So Vaseline is my favorite thing. Um, and even like I mix a lot of the product just because I will then take it and use it kind of as a blush, but it makes them look dewier. It makes them look more lifelike, not just flat and powdery and meh. Yeah. Like they have some reflection to their skin. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, when they think of, like, if they're looking in a casket at somebody at a viewing or something like that, like, I think, like, matte 
powdered, very, very... (laughs) Caked on. Yes. Yes. I love that you say there's no dumb questions because everybody's always asking you questions. I feel like this is a dumb question, but like, so you can just put Fenty foundation on the skin. You don't need to like mix that with anything so that it like similar to what you said about the Vaseline with the lipstick and stuff. Like you can just put the foundation on and it's on. Honestly, it depends on the case. It depends on how many blemishes and abrasions and, you know, post-mortem staining. Like, let's say you die on your stomach. Gravity is going to do its job. And, you know, this part of your body, your face, the part that's down there is going to get a little red and stuff. So embalming can clear that out. But sometimes not all postmortem stains clear. So I would have to go in with like a beauty blender or something to apply that. But with trauma, where I have to use wax and things like that. I have to smooth it out with acetone. I smooth it out and then I have to like paint it on basically. Sometimes I will be thinking, whoa, Eileen, you're like painting right now. Yeah, it's art. That's another reason why I wanted you to come on. This is artistry in a whole separate realm. And it's really, really fascinating to me. It's so funny that you mentioned the acetone because this episode's coming out on Halloween. I love Halloween. I love bald caps. I'm going to be baby Yoda this year. (laughs) And so last night I was practicing, you know, with my bald cap and to blend the bald cap with its latex, you use acetone to blend it into your skin on your forehead. Yeah. So that example that you gave is very relevant to me right now because I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And we can thin product out with the acetone or some people even use like lighter fluid. I don't, I don't use any like weirdness like that. I really try and treat it as if I'm doing like actual makeup, like a makeup artist. You are. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a dark art for sure. Have there been any TikTok products that you've seen that have gone viral that you're like, oh, I should try this for my practice? I have really like it comes with like application tools. Like I just bought some of those little triangular like powder puff things so I can bake the eye and some problem areas. I can't really think of specific things, but things come to me all the time where I'm like, this would be great. Probably like the pattern or hair dyes and it's more like products. You know that Peter Thomas Roth under eye gel that went viral when that woman, she was like 54 years old. She put it on underneath her eye and her eye bag like disappeared in three minutes. Yeah, that is like CGI. (laughs) (laughs) It works. It's the specific ingredient. Obviously, it's not long term, but it's like a superficial thing. It'll last you eight hours. I kid you not. My mom uses it and it's incredible. Are you kidding me? I'm not. I'm not. I wonder what the secret ingredient is. Is it formaldehyde? Because <laughs> <laughs> because there is, I, I mean, there used to be a lot of formaldehyde in everyday products and stuff. So I know. How do you actually feel about that? Like when you're utilizing formaldehyde, are you taking proper precautions to protect yourself? Like what are you like? Are you scared at all? 
I am scared. You know, I'm a little lady and I would like to have children someday. So I'm petrified of cancer. And I know that, you know, formaldehyde fumes, they're a carcinogen, like that could happen. I just want to protect my body and at all costs. And there have been times, you know, where maybe like the pressure's up too high on the embalming machine for whatever reason, hauntedness or whatever. <laughs> but once my tube split, and I think it's because our embalming machine was over 40 years old and like the little markings on the dial were kind of rubbed off. So I think I was like stressing out trying to find the right pressure. And I think I like jacked up and it just split. So formaldehyde went all over um, half of the embalming room and I had to stop what I was doing and clean it all up. And thankfully I had my crazy hazmat suit on with the hood up with my face shield, I was completely protected. That was enough for me. I was like, okay, we wear full PPE, <laughs> maybe not a hazmat suit every time, but we have to be covered because I could lose an eye, could lose my eyesight, you know? Right. Cause it's like, actual formaldehyde. It's not like the formaldehyde that's in a pear, like the trace amounts of eating a pear, you get some formaldehyde. That's normal. That's that's safe. Yeah. You're literally dealing with formaldehyde at high levels for obvious reasons. High concentration of formaldehyde. Yeah, because formaldehyde is in our furniture from Target and all over the place. It's in our fabrics, you know, it's found in nature, but nature can be toxic. I heard that the EPA is doing a new study about the actual like toxicity of formaldehyde on the environment and stuff. So I'm interested to see that. Okay. So you talked about how, you know, if somebody wants to be in full drag, you will do that. Like you will honor whatever the request is. Do people bring in their own makeup bags for you or like their loved ones own makeup bags and say, here's a picture. This is what she wanted or he wanted to look like. Yeah, all the time. And I love when people bring me their own makeup bag. And I love when people bring me detailed instructions. Sometimes the actual person who died prearranged like in their own head, you know, what exactly they wanted to look like. And they'll write it all out and say, Charlie, make me beautiful. And yeah, I just love when someone will point me in a direction of what they want their loved one to look like. Maybe they'll bring in a cologne, you know, or perfume so they have a familiar scent. Funeral directing and restorative art goes way further than just like embalming and making them look nice. It goes further than that. It's sensory, you know, what you're touching, what you're seeing. Did the person wear glasses? It's all these familiar things. Yeah, because sense evoke memory. That's important. I'm curious about your dad. Everybody loves him. When you were starting to do this makeup, did he say anything to you? Like, did he like notice that you do makeup differently than maybe he does makeup? Like what, what were his thoughts on that? I mean, he had been embalming on his own for like for 40 years over that, you know? And then I kind of just came in there and more or less kicked him out of the embalming room. It wasn't quite like that, but that's how he likes to tell it. I 
studied his technique so hard because applying mortuary cosmetics is quite different than applying them like you're watching a Vogue get ready with me, you know, like it's different. Wait, can you explain how different? Mortuary, it's kind of like painting a little bit more. I'm not here just like, you know, taking a little paintbrush and like filling in things on my own face. I just like poo 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 with a beauty blender or my fingers. But so I feel like I took his techniques and I took a lot of my own techniques and made them as one. But sometimes I feel like he had a hard time watching me do that or he didn't quite understand like my own techniques. I don't know. I watch like a lot of Vogue get ready with me and TikTok makeup stuff to teach me, you know? So yeah, he has his way of doing things and I have my way of doing things, but also his way of doing things is very valid. So I like to marry the two and make it like a happy mortuary cosmetic family. Yeah, it's like the old guard and the new guard coming together as one. He's been doing this for so long. It's stupid of me to just be like, oh, dad, you don't know what you're doing. Get out of here. <laughs> totally. Okay, so these are some random questions. What happens to filler when we die? Like, does it move around? Does it shift? Do you keep your natural, quote unquote, naturally plump lips? Like, what happens to that filler? If I've had people with filler, I certainly wouldn't know. I get a lot of older people. So, you know, it's not like, it's very rare that I get 40 year olds and 30 year olds. And I don't know. That's reassuring actually. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do get young people, but usually if you die pretty young, you're going to have an autopsy. So I'm not really focused on like the lip fillers. I'm more like, how am I going to close this cranial autopsy with a suture and make that not visible. Yeah. Bigger fish to fry. <laughs> you have bigger fish to fry. Yeah. But I don't think that filler really moves that much. And if it does, then we can easily balance out the lip fillers with a product we use in mortuary in the embalming room called Tissue Builder. I have Tissue Builder from Dodge Chemical Company. That actually has a bit of preservative in it. So it comes in handy if someone's really emaciated and they lost a lot of weight in their face. I can add it back with Tissue Builder, but you have to be careful when you use it because there is such a thing as making someone look too young and like no shade to Madonna really but like you can get to a point where you almost have like a overbuilt and it doesn't look right at all on that person so you you have to find the balance tissue builder. I love that. Okay. Does anything weird, I mean, lots of weird things probably happen when we die, right? Like, you know, sometimes noises happen from like recently deceased bodies and stuff like that. Does our facial hair continue to grow? Like I came in one day and it was like, they had a little stubble and then it's like, oh no, it's actually growing back. You would think that it, it kind of feels like it does. I feel like there are a lot of chin hairs in the afterlife, but no, like your, your facial hair doesn't continue to grow. Nothing continues to grow. People say that your nails continue to grow, 
but that's a myth. It's just like your skin kind of receding. Receding? Like it's making the nail bed look larger and that's why they think it grows? Yeah, like from dehydration or, you know. Okay, so we're reaching the end of our conversation. I would love if you just would share some... I don't even know, like words of wisdom or like words of solace. Like what do you want people to know about your job and also just about like the death process in general? In terms of funeral service and navigating a funeral home, just have your wits about you. You can use my page to educate yourself. There's certainly many of us on TikTok right now, a lot of morticians, and we're all there to help you. We all have the same goal. But yeah, use your intuition. If you feel like something isn't right, speak up about it. If you feel like a funeral home is weird right off the bat, know that you don't have to stay at that funeral home. They can't hold a body hostage. You can switch funeral homes if you want. And then my big thing is just, you don't have to think about death 24-7. I certainly don't want you to. I want you to live your life, but know that it's a thing. Be prepared somewhat. You know, you don't have to have your whole funeral planned out, but knowing whether or not you want to be buried or cremated, that's like a good, just simple thing to think about. You know, I just want us all to realize that death is a natural part of life. It is everywhere. We talk about death all the time, whether we realize it or not. I mean, heck, we say our phone is dead. Like simple things like that. Death is talked about all the time. And it's the one thing that we all have in common is the great equalizer. So that's it. (laughs) That was great. A final question. What, if any, makeup product that you use should people take into their everyday makeup routine that you think would change their makeup game? Oh, man. Can I say from the mortuary prep room? Yes. Oh, man. I love Benetton forever. But I really, really, really love the Glossier Mascara. I saved the wands. That is the best mascara wand I've ever come across on my eyelashes. So I say the Glossier Lash Slick. Yes, Lash Slick. I just wish it didn't have fallout, though. That's the only thing. I know. They need to come out with like a second version. They do. They need a waterproof one. 100%. Thank you everyone for listening this week. We will be back on Friday with another great guest interview. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts, I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Los Angeles was created by us, Kirby Johnson, and Sarah Tan. It's part of the ACAST network and licensed by Vice Media Group.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 